Good day, everyone, and welcome to those who are worshiping online with us at Bush Lake and Woodside. And if you're a visitor or maybe first time coming back in a long time, I just hope you feel at home today, that you belong. It's one of the gifts of being together. I just pray that you experience it in a really personal way. Guess what? I had quite an experience in the last week plus. Want to know what it is? I went forest bathing. Now, please control your imagination. (laughs) It's not what you think it is, okay? The Japanese coined the phrase forest breathing in reference to spending time in nature where you can reduce anxiety, clarify your thoughts, and be renewed. And that's what I've done in the last uh, several days plus. I went fly fishing for the first time with a dear friend. Wow, that's really hard. (laughs) It's not an easy art at all, not an easy sport, but I had a great time, and boy, the creeks are just rolling through these beautiful hills, and the birds are singing all day. I'm telling you, it was so meaningful. And then Carrie and I, along with our family, had the opportunity to hike the red um, canyons of Sedona, Arizona for a few days. Had a great time. And this is the gift that God gives to us. He speaks to us not just through his word. He speaks to us through nature, too. You know that to be true. And Job actually tells us how he does it. He says it so well. But ask the animals, and they will teach you. Or the birds in the sky, they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. And let the fish in the sea inform you. Which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this. In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. That all of life and your life is in his hand. That's the comfort of life. You're not alone. You are in his hand. So I got a confession. I needed that time away. I needed to reduce some anxiety, which happened. I was able to bring some clarity of thoughts. That happened. I was able to be renewed and refreshed. So you got me on a good day today. (laughs) Have high expectation. I'm totally available for what the Lord wants to do in and through me and you, I pray, this day. But you may need to have that time as well. Could I recommend forest bathing? It's a good experience. And you will find that God will meet you in it. In fact, it's what will help you thrive. And Thrive is the name of this new series, Bringing Life to Life, and the timing of it, I think, is just perfect. After all, 2020 um, hardly came together the way that we thought it would come together. We have found that the way that we connect has been disrupted. We find that the rhythms uh, and habits of our life were disrupted, and we find that overall there's been a profound shakeup in our lives. But we are emerging And the good news in that is that a lot of people are asking the question, what am I going to do with my life? Being that everything else has been so tossed up into the air, what do I want to do with my life? I'm hearing this all the time. I think one of the things of beauty that comes out of this pandemic, and yes, things of beauty come out of a pandemic. And one of the things of beauty that come out of this pandemic is that we're recognizing our priorities to, to honor what matters most. And people are recalibrating their lives. And so the invitation of this series, and I think the timing being so perfect, is because many people are seeking to do this recalibration. So twofold focus of the series. First of all, to identify the primary areas, and I'm identifying seven specific arenas of your life that give life. 
that help you thrive. But then to intentionally blend the life goals in uh, the primary arenas of your life, knowing that the whole of your life is in God's hand. That you would move into a blending, integrative approach to recalibrating life goals and you would see it as a whole. And to blend goals may be a paradigm shift for many of you, a new way of thinking. And so we want to start by differentiating between harmony and balance. Um, some of you know uh, John Butcher, and John Butcher was on a Westwood podcast. I encourage you to listen. If you've never listened to a Westwood podcast, we have some great interviews that are there. And um, tune in and discover what he has to say. And I called him and asked permission to take what he shared in that podcast to share with you as well. If you don't know John, John is the CEO of Caribou Coffee. He's married with three kids. He has uh, a lot of responsibility in his life, and he's a member here at Westwood. And one of his questions in the early part of his life was, how do I keep all these things straight? And he was influenced in a very positive way by a professor who was doing research upon leadership, which is what he was learning from this professor, but changed gears and brought some focus to happiness because in his research, he came to realize that the happiest people are those who blend, who integrate four primary arenas of life, work, family and friends, community engagement, and personal practices. In other words, those practices that um, help your find health in your mind, your body, and your soul. And when he embraced that integrative approach, that blending approach, it changed the trajectory of his life. He said, it may sound hard, but actually, once you find the rhythm of it, it's really quite beautiful. So he moved away from a couple images he has in his mind. One is that of a teeter-totter, which he pictures as being the balance issue. And that's what he wrestled with, always trying to find work-life balance and failing all the way through it because there's constant frustration trying to get the coordination right. You've been on a teeter-totter, right? So this is the image that he has. Am I trying to find balance, which is nigh impossible to find because the weight distribution makes it most difficult. So he shifted the image to a harmony image, a blending image, an integrative issue on these four arenas. And now the image that he uses as a check and balance is a four-string quartet. Because a four-string quartet has to work together. They have to play together to create beauty. And if one is out of sync, then there is a dissonance that happens. So he's asking himself the question all the time. How does my work life, my family and friends, my desire to engage in community and personal fitness of mind, body, and soul, how do they interact together? Listen to the podcast. He gives a number of illustrations about how that has worked for him. It might inspire um, you to let him work for you as well. Well, this series, Thrive, Bringing Life to Life series, it's going to extend those four arenas um, in the seven that um, I've identified and an encouragement to avoid silo kind of thinking where we compartmentalize and look at each of them individually rather than interfacing them. So you see the categories. Last week we looked at family and friends. Today we'll look at future. But fitness and fun are there. Finances is there. And uh, faith is there, which will be the last in the series and lands on Mother's Day because moms they deserve a message on faith because they exercise faith all the time. So we're going to end the series on Mother's Day that way. And we're moving from the siloed approach with an encouragement that you see the wheel that you've been seeing in the images that we've been giving to you 
then God serves as the hub of this integrative approach. By the way, we know that a paradigm shift requires energy and attention. It requires more than coming to a worship service and hearing a teaching for 25 minutes or whatever the time is. And so we have a tool that's going to be of help to you, and it's um, the, the, the soul wheel. And we have it available. I'm going to speak about it at the end of the message and how you can utilize this tool and start an integrative approach to your life if you're recalibrating in any kind of way. Let's jump into the message today. Um, the second part of the series, Thrive, and the focus is on future. And you know that Americans have always been forward-looking people. Americans are known for the way they plan. We are intense planners. And we also love to be in control of the future. Anybody just like to be in control? Okay, I got three of you. Thanks for that confession, you guys. <clears throat> And it's interesting to see our fascination with the future and how we go about trying to get it. There are many people who try to read tea leaves, astrology, poem reading. When we were down in Sedona, I was surprised by all the crystal shops that were around to help you know your future. Why? So you could plan for your future. We're fascinated with the future. By the way, I'm not recommending any of those practices. Was that clear? Okay, just wanted to be sure because I don't think you get to go where God goes when you enter into that realm. And then others try to grasp the future by reading books or listening to podcasts or attending seminars that might help them um, forecast the economic uh, predictions of our future because we wanna know so we can plan for our retirement or whatever the case might be. So what is the proper view as Christ followers of thinking about the future? I don't have time to go into all the things the scripture says, but I'm gonna elevate the one big thing, and that's my message today. The one big thing is to prioritize God's place in your plans for the future. That's the big thing. That's why I want to give my energy and attention because that's what James does in the New Testament when he talks about planning and three mistakes that we want to avoid when we enter into planning that the early church had fallen into. They're common mistakes. They're mistakes we make as well. And he's bringing some corrective measure for us. We find it in the book of James, and uh, it's such a great chapter. And I'm just going to look at a few of the verses, beginning at verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city. Spend a year there. Carry on business. Make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. I mean, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Wow. Nothing like the uh, New Testament writers who just pull the punches right out there. You can see the, the arenas here. We're going we're gonna to spend our time looking at these three common mistakes that come when we're trying to plan for the future with the hope that we would correct those mistakes. And you can picture the scene here. You have a group of business leaders who are in dialogue um, with each other concerning a business plan. And they're thinking about a better tomorrow. And most of us plan because we want a better tomorrow. We're in the very same boat. And we drop into their conversation in verse 13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. When I read this, I see a typical conversation that you would find with business leaders. 
who are having a good business dialogue about implementing a good business plan. That's what I read. So what could be wrong? What's missing? Because their planning, from my perspective, sounds really wise. And I'm kind of surprised but glad for the amount of detail that the scripture even gives to us about their business plan. When? Today or tomorrow? Where? This city or that city? For how long? We'll spend a year there. Doing what? Business. Why? For profit. We get a good summary of their business plan right here. And yet the Bible tells us some interesting things here because I read this and I go, what's wrong? What's, what's missing here? And the Bible tells us that planning is wise and good. And the Bible does not condemn making a profit if we use it for good rather than for evil, if we use it in fairness to all concerned. So what's missing? Well, James identifies the first mistake. And the first mistake is prioritization. When we look at the business plan, what's missing? There's no reference to God in the business plan. And so he's calling this out in their journey. They address the great leadership questions that you have to address if you're gonna move forward from a given place. Where are we going? How are we gonna get there? When are we gonna do it? What's our motivation behind doing it? But they miss the greatest leadership question that he believes needs to be the center of any good life plan or business plan, and that is, Does it honor God? Does it honor God? This is what's wrong with their planning. James is saying that they didn't check with God first. They didn't make God a priority at the table of decision making. They kind of just went on their own. Which, by the way, how often do we make plans without including God? So James is speaking to us. Don't make the mistake that some of these early Christ followers were making. Include God in it. So the Bible teaches us to plan, by the way, I want to emphasize that just to be sure there's no under, misunderstanding, that the book of Proverbs um, repeats itself again and again, saying that the person who does not plan is like a fool. And Jesus himself says, if you go about building a home, you need to ask the question of what does it cost to build the home? Plan wisely and accordingly. So it's wise to plan, it's important to plan. He's not talking about planning, he's talking about something else, the presumption of planning without God. It's a big deal in God's economy. When I read this text and I was preparing it, I had this gut check several times and I thought, Joel, do I ignore that or do I speak to it? I thought, I'm gonna just speak to it. Here's what the gut check was. I'm reading this and I'm thinking, well, I know what people are gonna think here. I personally know a lot of people who don't include God in their decision-making or business plans, and they prosper. So why include God? If you're prospering without God, why include God? Well, I want to reflect on it this way, because I believe they and we risk the ripple effect of self-sufficiency. Let me just address a few of the ripples of self-sufficiency. Clearly, we risk forgetting the truth about our existence, that we are people who live in the hand of God. That is, all that I am and all that I have is of God. It's not of me. It's all from him. And I risk then taking upon myself a me orientation that this is about me and what I'm doing, and I leave God out. And when we leave God out, let me tell you, it's dangerous territory. And if you don't see it in the short-term phase of your planning, you will see it in the long-term phase of your planning. The ripple effect is multifaceted. Secondly, we miss leveraging his purposes for good. 
I'm not even sure if I could prick your conscience around the reality of how God works in through us is that God is working for good. If I make my business plan or my life plan about me and the good that I want to do, good can come out of it, but it's not the consummate good. And that is God intends to work out his purposes of good through his people. He wants to leverage goodness in ways that you may not even see or understand when we invite him to be the center of our planning moving forward. And the third ripple that I want to address is we risk missing God's presence. I stated that my message is to prioritize God's plan, a place as you plan for the future. And if I could add a tagline, a caveat, and then you will know God's blessing. And the blessing is multifaceted. But the core of the blessing is his presence. Because when you know that God's presence is with you in life, no matter what comes to you, you can handle it because you know he's there with you in it. And that ripple effect is not including God is you may not be cognizant of the fact that the Lord is with you and that you're in his hand. In fact, for some of you right now, I could just put this question. Do you sense that the presence of God is in your life? And if you say yes, I know your heart is filled with gladness. And if you say, no, I really want it, oh, I want to encourage you just to align your priorities and put God front and center. Because I think what James is saying, he understands it was happening to them. It happens to us. It's easy to leave God out. It just is. It's easy to leave God out. And so in my journey, I have had many conversations with people about all of their life. And, uh, and it's been interesting to meet with people who are open to speak about their spiritual journey. And one of the things that saddens my heart greatly is when people say, I'm an atheist. I, I just don't believe in God. I'm not the way you believe in God. I just, oh, I just please believe in God. Every good thing will come to you when you believe in God. Many have said that, but can I tell you, I'm saddened maybe even more when I meet people who say, oh, I believe in God. But they make decisions as though God doesn't exist. I believe in God, but I'm gonna live my life the way I wanna live my life. No, that's a tragedy for us. And James is bringing us into this beautiful reality of our need to let God be centered so we don't become practicing atheists because we don't include God in our decision making. Because all business is God's business and all life is God's life. We're in his hand. And so let's trust him there. So James gives an antidote, and uh, this is how you move forward with plans. He says in verse 15, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. James gets really literal here, and he says, really, the preface to all of our planning is this little phrase, say these words, he's saying, if the Lord wills, include that in your planning, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. And you might say, Joel, you know, that could become really cliche-ish, you know, and, and, and it can. We can so easily trivialize some of these things that come from the scripture, but that's not James' intention. He's saying that the whole attitude of our planning should be, it's up to God. It's up to God. I want to do what God wants me to do. What is it? I'm going to ask you. I'm going to invite your presence. I'm going to invite your counsel. Walk with me in this. So the starting point of planning is, God, what do you want me to do? and not do in terms of the decision that is before me. You know, I can summarize a good plan in two words, honor God. Is that at the forefront of your decision making? Prioritize God's place in your planning and something will happen. In business, may it be for the glory of God. In your life, may it be for the glory of God. 
in your fitness, yes, even your fitness, may it be for the glory of God. Take a harmony perspective, an integrative blending perspective is what we have here. Prioritization, the first mistake. And then James gives us the second mistake. And the second mistake is presumption. Presumption. Yep. Again, if there's anything in 2020 and what it taught us, it has to be that we can't presume about tomorrow. I mean, I've just been in shock. So many times I thought, oh, by September of last year, we would have been full throttled, engaged with each other. All these things that we were planning and preparing for, and we had to change everything. It seemed like every week, sometimes every day, adapting to that reality. And so we find that James speaks about that, that we can't presume on tomorrow or think that we're in control of it. Verse 14, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Personally, I read these really poignant words and I think James really doesn't have the gift of encouragement. That's, <laughs> it's just really harsh to me when I read these things. It feels like he's discouraging us. I go, thanks for that, James. I really appreciate it. But in fact, he is trying to encourage us. He goes on to say that presuming to know what the future is is a form of arrogance. Look at verse 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Wow, there he goes again. You know, the Bible describes pride in two senses. One, a good sense of pride and a bad sense of pride. And you're thinking, well, what would be a good sense of pride? It's the fact that your life is available for God to work in and through you, and you can see it. And so you're, you're, pride, you're, you're just so delighted that God is working in and through you, and you continue to make your life available. But then there's bad pride, and that bad pride is what James is speaking to here, which is clearly a problem. It's a pride that boasts about what I can do and what I think is going to happen in the future. And I bring an arrogance to that planning and say, this is what I think is ahead. Like, I know. I want you to notice two things from the text, subtly written here. First of all, life is unpredictable. He says, you don't even know. It had to be an arrow to them. You don't even know. That none of us knows what's going to happen tonight, more or less tomorrow. And so he's calling us out that you have to realize that you can't presume upon tomorrow, that we have to enter every day with a spirit of humility. Lord, if you give me this day, I'm available for you in this day that you've given to me. And then secondly, he says, life is brief. He says specifically, you are a mist. And a mist, that Greek word here is um, an interesting word, it's atmos, from which we get the English word atmosphere, and he's really saying that your life is like a fog rolling in the morning, and by noon, it's gone. Be encouraged. <laughs> How you doing? See, was there? <laughs> it's amazing to me that he gets so specific. This is going to encourage us. Yes, that's his intention to encourage us. He's just saying life is short. So, don't presume that you have the rest of your life to sort out all those big dreams that you have when you don't even know what tonight holds. Enter into it loosely with a spirit of humility, with a trust in God. But in the same breath, be confident that God does know. He does have eyes to see what you, you cannot see. He has uh, an understanding of why it is all happening the way it's happening. So trust in God in the midst of that with whatever is ahead. And the antidote to move forward with our planning, I'm going to take it not from James, I'm going to take it from Jesus in Matthew's gospel because he says it so clearly. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow 
will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. Uh, all the trouble many of you are in right now for this day. I'm sure it's immense, maybe even intense for you. And he's saying, don't borrow from today's bucket of mercy for tomorrow's trouble because today has enough trouble in and of itself. And if you borrow from today's bucket of mercy for tomorrow's troubles, you're going to be cranky by four o'clock because you don't have enough in your bucket for today. And some of you are going, oh, that's talking right to me, right? <laughs> you cranky at three, four in the afternoon? Do you believe that the provision of God and his presence is for you in the now, in the present? He gives you everything you need for the hour that you are alive, the hour that we are gathered together. He is here giving us what we need to be present with him and for each other. He just gives us what we need. And the fact that life is so uncertain then, as Jesus says here, means that we ought not have fear and we ought not worry. This is so hard because we worry all the time. And you want to go, Jesus, really? See, because the uncertainty is ahead, what we are called to do is trust him more. And then anxiety is reduced. I always talk about anxiety as a heightened sense of concern and a diminished sense of control. So the more concern you have and the less control you feel, you have more anxiety. But the presence of the Lord who's with us in it closes that gap. And that's what Jesus is speaking about there. And therefore, we trust God more. I trust God. I want to trust God more. It's a test. It's a trial for me as it is for you. But I want to trust God more because I don't know what the future holds. But I know who holds the future. So I'm going to believe in that promise that he is the one holding the future, even though it's filled with uncertainty, and it is. This is what counts. And David said in Psalm 35, 15, Lord, my future is in your hands. There it is again. I am in the hand of God. You are in the hand of God. We want to live our lives with the promise that we're in the hand of God. We're not alone. And with his mighty right hand, he lifts us up for all the challenges we have. So don't make the mistake of planning without God. And don't make the mistake of presuming about tomorrow when we don't know what tomorrow holds. Instead, include God. Make it a priority to have a place for him around the table of decision making. And then make the first out of today. That is, make the most out of the reality of what our, um, each hour gives to you. And so I say, attend to the presence of the Lord even in our gathering, even if you're at home uh, listening to this message right now, even if you're here, when you get up to leave, have a cup of tea, join us, greet each other. There might be a visitor here and you're thinking, I've never seen you before. Take the opportunity to say, hi, who are you? And greet each other. Let's live in the presence of the Lord that is in the now, not just in tomorrow. Prioritization is the first mistake. Presumption is the second mistake, and James says the third mistake is procrastination. So I have to do this. For those who have been with us, you know I have an axiom related to um, procrastination. And I know many of my team members, they, they, I have so many axioms, I, I think it makes them worry. It especially annoys my children. <laughs> because I say them all the time. They're simple little things that help us have a compass. And my axiom for procrastination is procrastination is the assassination of motivation. And my kids are growing up, dealing with homework. They heard that a lot. Because <laughs> they'd see them all wigged out, spend all this energy thinking about the homework they had to do, but not buttoning down and just getting it done. You wasted too much energy thinking about it. Just sit down and get it done. You'll be better off. Procrastination is the assassination of motivation. Any other parent have that same reality? Nobody? 
Yeah, yeah, thank you. A hand, an amen. Sometimes this is interactive. Work with me, friends, okay? <laughs> procrastination is the assassination of motivation. Oh, boy, does James really hit this hard. We tend to procrastinate when we know what we're to do, and we don't do it. Verse 17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. I've never put that in the category of sin, but I've had to think deeply about it this week. Think about it. We don't know um, what is ahead for us, um, and we can get paralyzed by that. We can get demotivated to even move forward in the midst of a pandemic. What do we do? We have questions about it. But procrastination really serves idle time. It can be a waste of time. And you can miss the golden opportunities that God has for us. Even in the midst of the greatest crisis, God is always doing good. And he intended, created us to be part of the good that gets done. And that's what he's speaking to here. And James says, it's sin to not do the good that God purposes us to do. And I go, wow. Um, when I say, how do you define sin? Most of us are going to fall into the categories of those things which we consider to be more evil or dark, like murder or adultery or stealing or lying or whatever the case might be. Those are sins of commission. But the Bible is pretty poignantly clear that there are sins of omission as well. And that's what this is. He says, to him who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It misses God's mark. That God purposes to work his good in your life and my life every day. Do you believe that God is at work around your life every day? Are you attending to the reality of his presence so you can seize the good, do the good, whatever that might be? And it goes beyond doing homework or giving attention to relationships that need more attention. It goes into the realm of helping others and doing good on behalf of others whom you know have that given need and God has purposed you to help meet that need. What a gift this is, God's purposes of goodness in and through us. You know, procrastination is really the land of someday I will do this or it's the land of one of these days I'll get to this. And the solution that James gives is do it now, do it now. Move forward in your planning now. Because there are three kinds of people in the world. There are those who watch things happen. There are those who make things happen. And there are those who stand around trying to figure out what's happening. <laughs> and we got a lot of that happening. I'm amazed at how many people are like, what's happening? And we talk about it all the time. But we don't offer our lives to do anything about it when he is saying, oh no, seize the good that God has put in before you. So let's be people who make things happen by God's power, not our own, for God's glory, not our own. Now we're in line with the biblical teaching and instruction here. Make things happen. Make plans. But don't make these common mistakes. Prioritization, presumption, or procrastination. Don't leave God out. Prioritize God's place in your planning for the future. Don't presume about the future. Know that only he knows what's happening and ask him to provide for you in the midst of the uncertainty that's ahead and don't procrastinate by putting off the good that God wants you to do today, hoping that you'll just get it taken care of tomorrow. Let me tell you, this message has been really convicting for me personally. I'm not trying to preach to you like I know all the answers. I go, oh man, it's poignant. It's helpful to my soul. And I pray that it is for you. No matter what we'll face in 2021, we're planning forward with God. And we don't have all the answers. 
Um, we're still moving forward. Our team here, we're not twiddling our thumbs. We are, we are planning and preparing for God's goodness to unfold today and in the months ahead. And we have plans for that. We don't know the timing, but you're going to be hearing some pretty dynamic things that are before us because we're prepared and ready when it's time. We're planning to that end. And that's the encouragement. And to do so by avoiding these mistakes, we face the future not with fear, but by faith, believing that God sees it, he knows it. We're ready, God, to be available to what you want to do. So prioritize God's place as you plan for the future and you will know his blessing. Let me just wrap up with this final question. What are your plans for the future? And let me share this story, true story. Dear friend of mine, a business leader who runs a robotics company and it's so fascinating and I asked him for a tour of his company. It's a national company, it's big, it's making an impact in the world. I was totally fascinated in the leadership side of what he does. And he said, come on over and he even gathered some of his team. He put the org chart of their organization up on a screen for me to see. He walked through all of it in detail and at the top were these three letters, G-O-E. So I raised my hand and I go, what does G-O-E stand for? He said, God over everything. Now that's blending. That's integrating. That's understanding. Your life, your business, your family are in the hand of God. So make plans, recalibrate, but do it holistically and watch how God will work. We want to help you with that. We have this, what we're calling the Soul Wheel, um, it's actually um, a research that was done by the Potter's Inn. We secured license so we could make it available. We know this is a journey, it can take some time. It's a very simple guide, but it does require some thought, and it's an ease in terms of how you get to use it. So we wanna encourage you to stop by. If you're on our campuses, you can pick it up as you exit the doors. Um, if you're online, you can go to our homepage and download it there, we'll make it available. I was just told before this service, like apparently it was popular, many of them are gone on our campuses right now. We'll We'll have more available next week for you, but you can still download this week. We'll have it through the whole series because we believe this is a critical time in the history of our nation and world, but in your life and your family as you're recalibrating these things. So you're ready to move forward with me? And let's do that together, trusting that God is sovereign over all these things. Join me in prayer. Stand and uh, we'll conclude our time. Father, we have declared it boldly that the future is in your hands. And so may we plan with that in mind um, that you know what's ahead when we do not. You see what's ahead when we do not. And you will provide for all that's ahead when we aren't sure where that provision will come from. And so may prioritization take root, protect our hearts from that reality of not including you. May we do so. May presumption be put in its proper place where we don't presume that we have all these days to figure out things, but that we will trust and adapt to what happens as you lead and provide for us. May we not procrastinate and waste the golden opportunities to serve your purposes of good here, near, and far. And Lord, I'm particularly sensitive this day to the reality of so many conversations through the years of many people who said, you know, I just kind of drifted from a relationship with God. Someday I'm gonna make it a priority and I pray that that someday is this day because this is the day that we have. This is the hour that we have and you are fully present in it. So Spirit of God, speak to those who have been delaying making you the priority of their life and might today they fully surrender and say, I know. I am in your right hand. I need to live that way. Help me to live that way to your honor and glory. So go before us in Jesus' name, amen.